Today, though, we're in the second part of this series, and we've called this series Finding Peace. And I always, I always laugh a little bit around the Christmas time because we sing songs about peace. We, we have all the imagery and the serenity of peace in all of our artwork and all the things that we put up. And yet in this month that we do all of that, we ramp our lives up to the most frantic like possible pace that you could possibly live at while we sing those songs. And so I kind of laugh. It's almost like we're singing them as we do all of these frantic things. And the reality is we all have stressors and anxiety. I told you last week, there's always things in life that try to steal our peace. And it's not that it's so much worse at Christmas time. I think it's just more apparent. I think that sometimes we just focus on it a little bit more around the holidays. That while we sing about it, all of our peace is kind of slipping away. And so we started last week with the announcement of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2. We'll put it up on the screen. We'll kind of recash a little bit if you missed it with us. That most people think when the angel came to the shepherds announcing the birth of Jesus, that he announced glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Most of us have thought that God came to bring peace on earth. But we discovered really that Jesus didn't come to bring peace on earth. And now I said that last week and some of you got offended at me because I think you ordered all of your Christmas cards with peace on earth, splashed it across them and you couldn't get a refund during the week. And so I think some of you are happy. And so I just want to remind you, everybody, that Jesus did not come to bring peace on earth. In fact, that phrase peace on earth, check it out. It only appears once in your Bible. You can jot it down if you're taking notes. It wasn't here. It only appears later on in the Gospels. Jesus actually says it in Luke chapter 12. Check this out. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. It's the only place this phrase, peace on earth, appears. And Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. Uh-uh. Nah, mm, I didn't. Jesus, in fact, said, I didn't come to bring peace. We'll put the rest of that verse. He said, no, I tell you, I came to bring division. Put that on your Christmas card, everybody. <laughs> Send that out to everybody. Come on. Jesus didn't come to bring peace on earth. He came to earth to bring peace. Now, there is a distinction there. I'm not just playing with words this morning. He didn't come to bring peace on earth. If you're waiting for the whole world to be at peace, you're going to be waiting a long, long time, everybody. But he came on earth that regardless of the earth around you, regardless of what goes on in your sphere, in your circumstances, and the chaos that tries to rage around your life, regardless of that, he came to bring you peace. He came to bring peace to earth. And the New York Times did a brief consensus. Over the last 3,400 years of history... There have been 14,351 wars. 1.6 billion people recorded have died in wars. Get this, over 8,000 peace treaties signed for those 14,000 wars. You know how long, on average, each of those peace treaties lasted? 20 years, everybody, on average. And that's only nine years longer than the wars that ended without a peace treaty. So you buy yourself nine years when you sign that document because they don't last, everybody. Because the world can't bring you peace, only God can bring you peace. And so we've designed this series around not the idea that the whole world would suddenly magically be at peace just because we said it's Christmas time, but the idea that no matter what the chaos is, the circumstances, that God wants to give us peace. He wants us to have peace inside of us. And we'll look at that today, but I want to start in John chapter 14 because Jesus is talking again and he's saying, I have a gift for you. I have something to give you. Watch this. I'm leaving you with a gift 
Peace of mind and peace of heart. How many want peace of mind and peace of heart? And the peace I give, watch this, isn't fragile. It's not temporary. It's not easily breakable or takeable like the peace that the world gives. And then watch this end of this verse. I think it's my job to show you places in God's scripture where I believe God is speaking to you. And I believe in this moment, in this season, God is saying that to you. Watch this. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is saying, I have a gift for you. I'm going to give it to you. This is my peace that I give. Not like the world gives. Not like any other person tries to give. Not like any plan or step. Not like anything else could possibly give. He says, the peace I give you isn't fragile. It's not easily dismayed. It's not easily taken. It's not said it's the peace, not like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. I really believe you can leave here today with that promise. Not that I'm trying to to promise you something, not that a song we sing, not anything like that, not any other person. Jesus is saying, don't be troubled and don't be afraid. A peace I give you. So I want to start with a question then as we kind of move into the sermon today. I just want to start with a question. That is, where do we lose peace? If we don't have it, if we don't have peace today, it's a lot of us maybe would say there were moments this week where we kind of lost our peace. Maybe moments during this season that we kind of lose our peace. If we don't have it, then where do we lose it? Why aren't we peaceful? And I think if we all voted together on the one single cause, the greatest cause of us losing our peace, I think it's very simple. And it's people, everybody. Come on. It's these people that we have to live. How many know life would be better if all these people would just kind of just go on their own way, just go on up the road? If they just said, life would be better on earth if all of these people would just, you know what I'm saying? Where do we lose our peace? Oftentimes, if you boil it down to something, it's people. There are people who you can be in such a good mood. You can be just humming and bopping along. You can have the greatest day on earth. And you come across somebody who's got a dark cloud over them. And they come across your path. And in an instant, all peace is gone. How many met somebody this week who just took all, all peace? How many are sitting next to us? No, I'm just joking with you there. All right. <laughs> in just a second. About four years ago, uh, we were in kind of full-blown reconstruction mode here on the campus. Uh, we were in that for a long time. But about four years ago, it just kind of reached its height. Uh, and so we had our school in the back in a temp campus in trailers back there. Uh, and so we were kind of rebuilding different portions at different times of the campus. And so around 3 p.m. when it was time to pick up all the kids, it was madness here on the camp. It was just absolute chaos. It still is around 3. It's still a little bit, little bit chaotic. But back then it was just unbelievable. And so it was hard to get all the cars in and, you know, they back up all the way to Flannery. It was a great time. We, we really enjoyed it. But some of the parents had decided, they, they kind of figured out if they could park their cars uh, up here by the fellowship hall, they would walk all the way to the back, get their kids, and then walk back and leave. And it kind of worked out a little bit faster uh, than what would normally happen. We weren't wild about it, but you do what you have to do, right? And so on that particular day, we had finished a project here at the church. How many remember that season where it was like, if I can just finish something, I would be happy with my life. Like if I, I don't have a sink in the kitchen, but I got a door on the bathroom. Like I just did something, right? Anybody remember that after the flood? Nobody? Come on. Just want to finish. We finished something. So I was happy that I, we were cleaning up the extra two by fours and the plywood, kind of loading it up to bring it back to the storage here at the front of the property. And so I was in a good mood. I'm singing worship songs. I'm having a great time. And so we brought it up here. And so what happened is the two trucks we were using to step down some of the wood, we blocked one side up here at the fellowship hall, one side of this little parking lot we have about 10 spaces. 
But it's not a problem because the parents can just go out. There's two entrances and exits to theirs. So you just kind of pull out and go around. And so everybody is still happy, except for one lady. <laughs> and so at that moment, I had just gotten a piece of three-quarter plywood stuck between two of the trucks. And I was trying to unwedge it and get this thing above my head and, and get it back in. When I heard a voice behind me that said, I'm going to get my grandson. And when I come back, you are going to move. And I turned around and there was a finger right in my face, everybody, just right. (laughs) And meanness looking back at me, just the meanest eyes looking back. And so I I started to say, well, I'm kind of frustrated with the the plywood already. I started to say, well, ma'am, if you just, you know, there's two ways in and out of here. And if you just pull your car, you're able to exit. She said, no. Ever had that happen? It's not a yes or no question. And somebody just just shouts, no. Now, I know you would like me to tell you that you have a pastor who would (laughs) I know you want to have a pastor who would say, oh, my poor child. Let me move my truck for you. Oh, God bless you today. God, just be God be with you. God, go with you. God be. But but I didn't do that. (laughs) In fact, I picked up one of those two by fours. I didn't say anything. I turned around and I just kept working. And she left to go pick up her grandson. And a few minutes later, she's coming back. And as she came back to her car, she shouted something at me. That honestly, it's not probably the words are in the Bible, but I'm not allowed to say them on a Sunday, everybody. So I just she shouted something, got in her car and I turned around. She cranked her car up and she backed her car about a foot away from one of these stucco pillars we have up here down the side of the building. And she looked at me. And she looked at me like this, and then she floored it into that stucco pillar. Bam! Smacked her car into it, threw it in drive, and pulled out around the side of the thing. And that poor little boy's eyes were about as big as dinner plates looking at me. And I thought, where am I? Like, what, what bizarre world have I stepped into that I'm in this? What did I do to deserve this? Because I promise you, you can be going about your life. You can be in the greatest mood ever. You can be finishing a project after everything flooded. You can be at top of the mountain and you come across one person. You come across one circumstance. You come across one thing that happens and your peace like that slips away. Like that, it disappears. Like that, it rams into your stucco pillar. Come on, somebody. That's just... <laughs> Rowdy, is we live in a world that is messed up, contentious, And grouchy, everybody. We live among people that are messed up, contentious, and grouchy. So then the question is, what do we do about that? As Christians, what do we do about that? In fact, I had somebody else this week. I wasn't going to share this, but I had somebody this week, a situation somebody called me all upset about somebody else. Honestly, they had their facts wrong. They had everything out of whack and all the thing. And it wasn't even about me. It was about somebody else. But they called me upset, had all these... and, and. At the end of that, I hung up that call and I honestly, even in that moment, I knew it was going to be okay. I knew in that moment that it was it was just somebody who was hurting and hurt people, hurt people. You understand that, right? It was just one of those situations where kind of lines had been crossed. It just wasn't it wasn't it was an informational problem. And I knew that it was that I knew that. But when I hung up that phone, I promise you, I was upset. Even in that moment, there was no peace in my heart. There was no peace. I, I was upset. I was ready to find the next fight. I was ready to just, just go from that and honestly just continue. And I had a moment like that in our lives. You know, King David wrote about this. In our lives, we have these moments where there are people that surround us. 
It's actually a very short psalm in Psalms 120. The entire psalm is very short. He talks about people around him who want no peace. People around him who try to destroy the peace. People that he lives with, people that he's in. And the entire psalm is short, but he starts off saying, I'm in distress. My soul is in distress. He said, I'm in distress. I'm messed up. I said, too long, God. He's singing this, by the way, if, you just, if that gives you a little humor to the Bible. But he sings these parts. He's saying, too long, God, I've lived among people who hate peace. Too long I've lived among those. I am for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. Have you ever felt that way? Like your coworkers, like you are for peace and they are for nothing but war. They just want to stir things up, those people around you. Some of you say maybe your family members, they just, they just want to stir things up. They, just want, they, they don't want any kind of peace. You say, I live among people who have peace. I may say, I live in a country where nobody wants peace. Everybody just wants to fight about everything. Come on, somebody. Can't get anything done. We live in a culture that wants no peace. That wants no peace. And too often times, too often times we let this seep into us. Too often times we let these outer influences, we let these things that try to steal our peace. We let somebody who may be in a dark place themselves, we let somebody who's just looking for somebody else to hurt, we let them... Creep in and steal our peace from us. And so David wrote about this. He says, too long, O Lord. Too long I've let this out. Too long I've lived among people. I am for peace, but they are just for war. He said, I'm here I am, this man of peace. It almost makes it unbearable to live on the earth. Now, what we would like and what I know you would like from me is a message on conflict resolution. And I have taught those. Because I have taught, there are messages and there are spiritual giftings and there are abilities and skills you can learn from God's word on how to mediate the war between two parties and try to make, kind of make it get along. But that's not today. In fact, for today's message, I want to just operate under the assumption that we never get along. I want to operate on the assumption that it's never made right. It's never, we never get along together. Because 3,400 years of history, 14,000 wars, on average over four wars a year, we are at war somewhere all of the time. Somewhere all of the time, we're constantly at war. The question then is, since this is a peace series, can we have peace anyway? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. If there is war all of the time, even if you are at war in your life, and today I'm going to give you, show you out of God's word a way that if your family never cooperates, if your coworkers get meaner, come on somebody, if your boss gets more demanding, if I-12 gets more traffic like it does this time of the day, if all of these things, even if all that happens, you'll still be okay. That you'll still have peace on the inside of you. I want to give you this. Not that everybody would then play along and everybody would get along. I want to give you the peace that God gives even if you're at war. Even if you have that. 1945, the UN was created, United Nations. And it was created with the sole purpose or one of its goals being to provide peace for all succeeding generations. Talk about failing miserably. Come on, somebody. Like God bless them for the intention, but just... And not the expectation. God bless them for their efforts. One lady said this. I like this quote. Peace is that glorious moment in history where everybody stops fighting to reload. Come on, somebody. just <laughs> So what do you do about all of that? Let me show you the progression. I like to look at how we get to where we are. So hopefully we can stop it before we get there. I like to look at the progression of how we lose our peace. So maybe we can figure out how we're going to fix it or we can figure out how to stop it before we get all the way to the end. Write this down. First one, take it, jot it down if you're taking notes. First one is most conflict happens because of a distance. 
A distance, a distance in thought, a distance in idea, a distance in belief. It happens in marriages all the time. It happens with our kids. This isn't a distance geographically. This isn't a distance physically from someone, but it's a distance in thought or belief or an attitude. And when that distance isn't dealt with, and few people ever really deal with it, it goes to the next phase of this. Because then we start to put up protective mechanisms, we think, to keep us from that. We start to throw up walls. And honestly, for us, we begin to throw up these mechanisms because we say nobody else will ever mistreat me like that again. Nobody else is ever going to treat me that way. And some of you are here today and you put up walls around your heart. So you started in the first phase and so peace wasn't gone by then. But then you decided, okay, I went through that and I'm not ever going to go through that again. And so I put up walls now to keep people away. You said, nobody's going to ever treat me like that. And I'll never let that happen. And so we built what we think is a healthy mechanism. Let me tell you something. Walls rarely solve anything. They rarely solve anything. Some of you have a wall between you and people. Some of you have a wall between you and God. You have a distance of thought. And so you put up a wall. You thought God should do something, but he did something else. And so now I can't trust God. And so there's a wall that you put up between you. And walls, if not dealt with, go to this next phase. And that is escalation. And so now, meaning this simple problem, and by the way, they usually always are simple. The simple problem becomes bigger than it actually is. If not dealt with, now this problem has escalated. And we see it all the time. And of course, people who are in it never see it. How many know that is true? You can see it in somebody else, but you never see it in your own. It's always interesting to me what people are fighting about. When you get down to the core root of it, before it ever escalated, before it ever became this knockout, drag out fight, before it ever became that, it's always interesting to see what was the original thing, because it's usually small. It's usually small, but it grew, it escalated out of control. And here is the danger, because when you have escalation, you make something bigger than it is. You begin to believe a lie about that thing, and that leads to the next one, which is false belief. You're believing that thing is bigger than it actually is supposed to be. And this one is very concerning to me as a pastor. Because honestly, this is the one that most people find the most trouble in. And they will bring themselves for counseling or they'll bring themselves just in conversations or just to talk. And they literally cannot see the false belief that they've bought into. They cannot see that. And so they'll even try to bring scripture into the defense of why they are like this or why I'm in the right here or why I want to do that. And they begin to buy into that false belief. And truthfully, they believe the the lie, everybody. Because listen to me, the grass isn't greener on the other side. And if it is, the water bill is higher. All right, everybody, that's just the truth. You know what I'm saying? They believe the false belief about that. False belief, if not dealt with, then leads to number five, and that is hostility. Leads to hostility. Now I'm upset. And here's the interesting thing about hostility. Catch this. Hostility is not the emotion you feel towards the other person. At this step, hostility becomes the condition of your own soul. It becomes the condition of your soul. Because now that person that you thought you were punishing by staying away from and by throwing a wall up or your thing has actually caused you to not even be at peace with yourself. That person that you thought you were, you were doing all of this to has now caused you to not have peace in your own life becomes a condition of your soul. Some of you today are in hostility. Here's how I would ask you. Are you at peace in your soul? Are you at peace in your soul? Is your soul at rest? Because if it's not, then chances are there's something that needs to be dealt with. Is your soul at rest? See, for a lot of us, it's not. Even this week. Even in this week, in that moment, my soul was disturbed. In that moment... 
I hung up that phone. It disturbed. David prayed another psalm. He said, why so disturbed within me, O my soul? And he kind of fusses at himself in a way that I think is probably healthy for us to do as well. He kind of looks at himself in the mirror and says, put your hope in God. Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your, he's saying, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I can't do it because I'm so disturbed in my soul. And there's probably scores of us who are disturbed on the inside, who've allowed hostility not just to become an emotion, but now it's become a condition of our soul. And by the way, this message is devoted for those of us who find ourselves in that place, because I believe that God's power has this ability to change us before we leave today. That we have ability to let those things go. But finally, hostility, if not treated, leads to all-out war. Leads to war. Are you ready for this? Some of you are at war with yourself. Some of you are at war with other people. And here's some of you, I just want to confront something today, all right? There's, there's things that I like to say, and I'll, I'll write them in the sermon, and then I'll scratch them out the night before, and then I put them back in there the morning of. There's some things, and so I wasn't going to say this, but honestly, I, I want to go ahead and do it. You'll like me next Sunday when we light candles and sing songs, I promise. You'll like me a little bit better then. But here it is, if you're not at peace within your soul, it means you're not at peace with God. If there's no peace within your soul, it means that you're not at peace with God. And honestly, there's probably areas of your life that are not submitted to God. Now, it's not a nice truth to hear, everybody, all right? But it's the reality. In that moment this week, instead of being the person who prays for that guy, instead of being the person who responds in the right way, instead of that, when I got upset this week, when I hung up that phone, When I let that thing disturb me on the inside, when I had that moment, instead of being the person who brings God's word into the situation, the person who's going to actually live out the principles, instead of all of that, instead I went to that place and I had some things at that moment that made me realize there are some things that aren't submitted to God. Some areas of my life, some areas of my emotions, some areas of the way that I respond to other people, the way that I treat them. And it's a constant act of our will and our obedience to do so. To submit. We talked about that last Sunday, then I got to live it, everybody, and it didn't go well. (laughs) To submit. There's areas of our lives. And so if you're not at peace within your soul, chances are it's a warning sign. There are areas we need to submit. I want to show it to you in Scripture, James chapter 3. And I love this verse because I think it slams pretty much all of us all at the same time. Watch this in James 3. But if you harbor, watch that word harbor. If you harbor, if you keep, you hold on to bitterness, envy, selfish ambition in your hearts. Don't boast about it. Don't act like, you know what? I had a right to do that because you don't know what they did. I had a right to treat them that way because you got to know what they did. Don't boast about it. Don't boast about thing or watch this or deny the truth. I'm getting ready to give you what I believe are three truths about giving peace to yourself this Christmas. But here's what my fear is. And honestly, I pray it doesn't happen, but I know that it will in some situations. Here's my fear. And then as we read the truths out of God's word, that there will be some people who leave today who say, I can't do that. I understand what you're saying, Ben. I understand how you laid it out. That's all fine and dandy, but I cannot do that. I'm praying it's not true, but I promise you in some situations it will happen. Where we hear the truth, but we deny the truth. He says, don't boast about it. Don't deny the truth. And watch this in the next one. He says, such wisdom, denying that, doesn't come from heaven. But it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And by the way, there's common knowledge out there, even in America, around the world. There's common knowledge that we have a right to treat people because of the way they treated us. 
In fact, we even call it right. That we have a right to do this to so-and-so because they did this to us. We have a right to do that. He says, that's earthly wisdom. God has called us to something better. He says, if you think you have that right, you have that envy or sinful, don't boast about it. Don't deny the truth. We're in a time that thinks wisdom is, you know what, I'm going to get them back. We're in a culture that thinks wisdom is, you know what, they're going to pay for what they did. In a culture that thinks wisdom is, I'm going to do everything I can to get my revenge on that person because I have a right to. He says, don't boast about it. It's earthly wisdom, unspiritual of the devil. He says, you'll have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder and every evil practice. So what do we do? How do we settle that? How do we settle the war within? Listen to me, church. This is what Jesus came to give. This gift at Christmas is peace, even in the midst of this. Came to bring peace that's available for us. It's his mission. I pray you walk out of these doors today lighter than when you came in. I pray you're able to leave some things, that you're able to give in to God's plan for your life. It's my prayer for you. I've been praying it all weekend long. That you would have those moments. Ephesians chapter 2 says it's available to you. Because watch this in Ephesians 2. Remember at that time, you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now, I love that verse there. It says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, in other words, Jesus is saying, you've been bought, by a, you've been bought with a price for he himself is our peace. In the next, he's our peace who has made the two groups one. This book was written to the Jews and the Gentiles who were at war with each other. And he's writing this to them, this letter to them. He's saying, but you, you don't live this way. If you're a person who's messed everything up in life, you say, you know what? I'm going to receive Jesus. If you're a person who's come to this place and you say, I once was far, but now I'm going to receive him. Listen to me, church. If you come to him, but nothing changes, there's still all of this envy and strife. If you come to Jesus and nothing changes in your life, you didn't really receive Jesus. He didn't really receive Jesus because when he comes, everything changes. Listen to me, church. This church is not a country club. This isn't some nice words that we can talk about and some old books that we can read and some whatever things that we can just do and then just show up and something we can do on the weekends. No, this is people who have found and touched the creator of the universe. And when you encounter him, everything changes. I am preaching 98% better than you are responding today, everybody, but that's okay. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought close through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And watch what he does. He not only brings peace between you and him, but he makes everything. He says he made the two groups one. He's made what was divided, brought it back together. He's brought peace in the midst of division. I told you this book, Ephesians, written to the Gentiles and the Jews at war. He said, look, in Jesus, there is no fighting between the two. Said then Jesus, there is no, he makes the two one. He destroys, the Bible says, the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He destroys it completely. That barrier that we put up, that hostility, that's the condition of our soul. It says he destroys it completely. That's what's available for you today. That's what he gives. He said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. You say, well, Ben, how? I want to give you three truths today, just three quick things. And let me just tell you in advance, none of them are easy. If you wait for the first one, the second one, none of them are easy to do. But I promise you, I guarantee, this is the path God has for us to have peace in our lives. This is the truth. You'll never find peace. This is the first one. Jot it down if you're taking notes until you make peace. Never find peace until you make You can't have peace 
and not make peace with someone. But if you make peace, you'll find it. Now, notice these words, make peace. Meaning we're not just going to go out and just kind of act better and get along. That probably won't happen. But instead, we're going to settle in our own hearts the issues that we have with other people. We're going to settle once and for all. Let me say it this way. The moment I settled what I felt about that phone call, a few hours later, the moment I settled what I felt about it, the moment I realized my war is not against people, but against principalities, and I actually started praying over the situation. The moment I realized that and I settled in my own heart is the moment I had peace about the situation. The moment I settled in my own self, because you cannot have peace in your heart if you refuse to settle the issue with other people. Let me show it to you in scripture, picking right up where we left off in James chapter 3. It says, the wisdom that comes from heaven. So the first one is earthly, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. I want you to see that. First of all, it's pure. Because that's what happens when you come to Jesus. When you get saved, he makes you pure. When you get saved, he puts that covering on you, makes you pure. Notice what happens as a result of your salvation. See the semicolon there. Then you become peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. When you let the work of the Lord, when you let God do a work on your heart, this is the byproduct of what comes. To first of all make you pure and then peace loving. And it says this powerful line, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, peace, the result of peace, the result of peacemaking is things are made right in you. The result of peacemaking is things are made right in you. Things are made right. By the way, the flip side is true as well. The presence of righteousness brings peace. Peace brings righteousness. We learned last week the presence of righteousness brings peace, which means when you bring God's righteous standard into every situation, it brings peace along with it. So if there's no peace in your marriage, you bring God's righteous standard into your marriage, then there's peace. There's no peace in your finances. A lot of people, there's no peace in our finances. You bring God's righteous standard into your finances and there's peace. Anywhere you bring righteousness, it brings the peace of God with it. That God's principles have brought in. What happens is peacemaking produces righteousness. In fact, they're connected. It's why in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, there are two words in the Greek. Your Bible, your New Testament is written in the language of Greek. There's two words for that word blessed. The first one means blessed financially and materially. That's not the word that he uses there. The second word, though, makarios, that's the word that means blessed. And it literally means happy. It means happiness. But not like happiness that you somebody told you a good joke or that you're laughing. Think this actually means happiness, a joy that's within you that no one can take. And so read it that way. Happy regardless of what's going on around them are people who bring peace, are the peacemakers. Regardless of what's going on, he goes on to say those are the people who really get it. Those are the children of God. Those are the ones who actually understand what God is doing on this earth. They understand what Jesus came to do. What his mission was all about. So my point is, church, you want peace. Everybody does. You want to be a peacemaker. Make peace. You want peace in your life. Be a peacemaker. Go ahead and settle the issue once and for all, which begs the question in my mind, then how do we do that? If you've already agreed with the first one, I need to make peace, but I want to know how. It brings us to our second step today, and that is to make peace through reconciliation. Honestly, this may be the hardest one of all. To make peace through reconciliation. Make peace through this word reconciliation. You know what this word reconcile means? Anybody ever reconciled your bank statement? Anybody ever? Some of you are like, I have no idea what that is. I didn't even know I had a bank statement. I just, nobody ever reconciled your bank. You can do it in whatever software you want. 
Quicken, QuickBooks, Mint, whatever. I'm told that one of the digital versions does balloons and fireworks when you finally finish. So if that's your thing, go look into it, all right? You can do it pen and paper with your checkbook. What is reconcile? Word reconcile means to bring the balance to zero. To reconcile, to make sure it matches, to bring the balance to zero. See, what I'm saying is what you want me to say is, Ben, help me resolve the conflict. And there's a place for that. There's a place to resolve the conflict, but I can't guarantee peace there. There's a place to resolve conflicts, but I can't guarantee peace in the midst of that resolution. Honestly, peace treaties only last on average 20 years anyway. I can't guarantee peace in the middle of that situation. See, what we want are conflicts resolved. Resolved means we sit down together and we talk about what I did right, what you did right, what I did wrong, what you did wrong. What I'm going to do right in the future, what you need to do in order to be in what you need to go ahead and do this. And if you ever do that and we we resolve it, there's conflict resolution time. Reconcile says take that person and bring the balance to zero. Not talking about resolution. I'm talking about reconciliation. Reconcile says take that person and bring their balance to zero. They owe nothing. Ben, you are just talking gibberish today. That is just I just that's crazy talk. I'm just not even going to. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 says love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't even keep a record. It's reconciliation. Check this. I'm saying this for you, not for them. I know what it sounds like. I know it sounds like I'm trying to let them get off scot-free. I'm saying this for you, everybody. You want peace, make peace. You want to make peace, bring the balance to zero. Bring the balance to zero. Thank God that's what Jesus did for us. Thank God that's what he did. Thank God... That he didn't try to resolve the issue and look down and say, I see all of you sinners down on there on earth. I see all you knuckleheads messing everything up. And so if you just try hard enough, if you just work hard enough, if maybe one or two of you do something good enough, I might let you into my heaven. Thank God he didn't do that. That when Jesus came to earth, he paid the price for our sins on the cross once and for all. That he paid it. He brought our balance to zero, everybody. And it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've been forgiven of. You show up in heaven with your balance paid at zero because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of the blood of Christ. Yeah, give him praise for that. That we show up, our balance is zero. That he reconciled us regardless of what we've done. That we show up, bill paid. Bill paid. I want to show it to you in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is huge. Watch this. All this was from God. Not any of us, so we can't boast about it. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Who set our balance at zero. Who took us with all of our sins and all of our mistakes and all of our shortcomings. And I promise you, I don't care how blinded you are. I promise you, they were great. All of our shortcomings were incredibly, incredibly great. He said he took all of that who reconciled us. To himself through Christ. That we've been reconciled. And then what's what he says? And then gave us, oh sorry, back in that verse, he said, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, he's saying, here's what I've done for you. Now you do it for others. The ministry of reconciliation. By the way, let me just let you in on a little secret of Christianity. Just something that's free for you guys today. There's one catch with God reconciling you, and that is he has a hard time giving it to those who have a hard time giving it to others. Come on, I got quiet in this church this morning. He has a really hard time putting up with those that receive it who don't want to give it. Those who receive forgiveness. In fact, in one place, Jesus even said, don't even come to church until you reconcile with your brother. Go and reconcile with him and then come and bring your gift to the altar. 
But we don't like to read those stories. We don't like, right? One other place, Jesus said, if you refuse to forgive the sins of others, your heavenly father will refuse to forgive your sins. Put that on your fridge, everybody. Put that on the magnet thing. Lord's Prayer that we all learned when we were little. Forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. But see, we're waiting for people to commit little trespasses so we can forgive them quickly. We're waiting for people to, to commit small trespasses that don't hurt all that much because we can just kind of brush them. Listen to me, everybody. Every trespass hurts. If you're waiting for little trespasses, they're not coming. The ones that he's called us to forgive are the big ones. The ones that he's called us to forgive are the big ones because he forgave the big ones for us. I can tell that's popular with you guys today. Now, for some of us, I would just, just one more. I was just thinking this last night. Can you imagine if God forgave us the way we forgive people? That bitterness that we harbor, that lie. And I was just thinking through the last people that I didn't forgive. And can you imagine if God treated us that way? And then we read these verses and imagine that maybe... It's true. One person said, what's the greatest law of all to Jesus? He said, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know why Jesus combined those? Why he gave them a second one? Because they're connected. They're connected. First John says, anybody who loves God but hates his brother is a liar. Come on, somebody. That'll preach all by itself. And the truth is not in him. You say, what are you saying, Ben? I'm saying that God says, I'll reconcile your balance, but you need to have that same ministry yourself. You need to go around bringing balances to zero, that God was reconciling the world through Christ. And then he goes on to define reconciliation in the next verse. Reconciling the world, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Here's what reconciling, not counting men's sins against them. If you wanted a definition, that's what reconcile means. And then he's committed to us the same ministry. To tell people about the good news of Christ, that they too can be forgiven and to forgive those who trespass against us. That's the life of the Christian. You want peace, you need to make peace. You want to make peace, you've got to reconcile. I'm not saying there's not a place to resolve the conflict. There is. I'm not talking about resolving the conflict. I'm talking about your soul being at rest. I'm not saying there's not a place to go and resolve the conflict. There is a place for that. So go resolve it when the circumstances line up for you to do so. When everything works together, all the pieces fall into place. Go and resolve the conflict in that time. There may be a place for that. It may never come, but there might be a chance for it. Go and do it in that moment. Until then, bring the balance to zero. Until then, bring the balance to zero. Romans 12 says, don't avenge. Leave room for God to take care of that. You just love. It's not a popular message, church. I understand that. But it's the message that we need to live as Christians. That we are called to love others, to forgive trespasses. That we are called to let it go. Look at me, church. Let it go. I understand all trespasses are big. All offenses are large. All of them hurt. Let it go. Let it go. And I promise you, you will sleep better tonight. I promise you, you'll breathe for the first time in years. Your soul will be at rest. It's what God asking us to do. Bring the balance to zero. Reconcile. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And you say, well, that's just still, that's just, it's, it's too much. I, I still can't grasp that. I still, I don't think I can do that. And it's probably because you haven't done the third thing. 
If you want peace, make peace. If you want to make peace, reconcile. But you can't reconcile until, number three, you've been reconciled. can't reconcile for others until you've been reconciled. In other words, first receive a zero balance. First receive a zero balance. Let me show you in one verse. And I know that's the last fill in the blank for the app, so, but still hang with me, all right? I know that's the last place you put a, a word in. But watch this in Proverbs. And I believe, honestly, it's a prophetic verse. Because it says in Proverbs 16, it says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Whose love? Whose faithfulness? Whose love and faithfulness atones for our sins? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That his great love for us, that his sacrifice on the cross, that he rose again from the grave, he says that it's atoned for our sin. Atoned for our sin. And through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. In other words, when you come into this relationship with God, evil leaves your life. When everything is submitted to the will of God, when every single area is under his dominion, when you've given everything over, when you live out this life he's calling us to live, you begin to reconcile others. Begin to set their balance at zero. Begin to share the love of Christ with them. But look what it says in the next verse. And when a man's ways become pleasing to the Lord, How do they become pleasing to the Lord? Not by behavior modification. This is by forgiveness through Jesus. When righteousness enters your life, he makes even his enemies to make peace with him. Even his enemies to make peace with him. Listen to me, church, when you have the spirit of reconciliation, when you bring the balance to zero, I'm telling you, you can even be at war and have peace in your life. And I want to finish this with a verse we read last week out of Psalms 23. That David said, the Lord is my shepherd and he'll prepare a table for me even in the presence of my enemies. Even in the presence of the chaos, even in the midst of it all, that God still has peace for us. But you want peace, you're going to have to make peace. You want to make peace, you have to reconcile because God himself has reconciled us to him. And I promise you, even in the midst of war, even if you have enemies, even in the midst of chaos, your soul will be at peace. Every head bowed, every eye closed today as we pray. We're just going to pray together. And this is a moment. Honestly, this is a moment where the spirit of God just starts to work on people's hearts. Where you have a chance to respond. And let me tell you this. God's not going to barge his way into your heart. But here's what he will do. He'll stand at the door and he'll knock. So I believe in this moment, I believe that's what's going on. That maybe there was some moment during the sermon, there was some point, there was some verse that stuck out to you that said, this area of my life is not completely submitted. This area of that relationship has not completely been reconciled. This trespass that I've held against that person for so long needs to be let go. And I believe that God right now is knocking on hearts. It's not because of the words that I say. It's because of the conviction that he brings. So I would pray that you would answer that today. Some of you are saying, I still have a problem with that. I don't know how I could bring other people's balances to zero. I don't see how I could possibly reconcile others. It's probably because you haven't been reconciled yourself. 
And so if that's you today, if you want to have that opportunity to bring the balance between you and God to zero, if you've never had that opportunity, you feel like God is a million miles away, it would be my honor to pray with you today. Listen to me. Jesus already paid the price for your sins. He already paid the price for every sin that you've ever committed. And so I don't care where you're coming from. I don't care what you've done. And I don't care what you've heard in the past. Jesus wants you. And he's paid the price to reconcile you to the Father. So if that's you today, you say, I'm far from God. But today I want to be reconciled. It starts with accepting the gift that he gives of salvation. Be my honor to pray that with you. For those of you who want to be reconciled for the first time today, for those of you who say, I want to bring my balance to zero, I want to be forgiven. We're going to pray with you right now. I can give you the words, you have to say them and you have to mean them in your own heart. But say this right now, you want to, you want to bring that balance to zero, say these words in church, we pray with them, nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I believe you've reconciled me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer right now, I promise you, all of heaven celebrates. All of heaven celebrates when you make that decision. But right now, your balance with God is zero. Right now, God has wiped your slate clean. Right now, the blood of Jesus on the cross, right now, it wipes it out. The Bible says he rose from the dead so that anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Now, Lord, as we close today, I pray for every person in this room, every person watching online, I pray right at this moment, you would remind all of us of the debt that you paid, that you brought our balance to zero. And God, I'm praying that there would be believers, sons and daughters of God who are so at peace this week, Lord, that they go around bringing other balances to zero. That we start to forgive trespasses against us, Lord. That we don't keep records of wrong because you, Father, wiped out our slate. That you, Lord, forgave us through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray, give us the power to forgive. Give us the power to reconcile. Give us, Father, the power to forgive trespasses. And Lord, we thank you once again for the great debt you wiped out that we owed. We praise you once again for the, Father, for what the blood of Jesus did in our own lives. We give you all of the praise and all of the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God praise for what he did today?